Here we go. It's time for another episode of The Techie and the Cowboy. My name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. And so this subject is about putting yourselves into areas of temptation, how it is to avoid temptation, and what is temptation all about anyways. T.W., you've never been tempted, have you, at all? I know you have ironclad will, right? (laughs) (laughs) I do now. I didn't always. (laughs) Keep in mind that I was uh, an English major, so we read a lot of old English literature Oscar Wilde being one of the uh, prominent writers way back when, he quoted, I can resist everything except temptation. So So we're going to talk a little bit about this and some of these subjects right after we play our amazing intro. And now, a few minutes with two of my friends who will soon be yours, the techie and the cowboy. For those of you who didn't recognize the background music for our intro, we put a little bit of the temptations in there, uh, you know, just to be able to get us in the mood. And it kind of fits with our title, right? So, you know, this whole idea for this podcast came out of just some off mic conversations that we were having. So talk about what we, we discussed about what temptation is. Like, why are people tempted? Well, I would say as a rule of thumb, it is a compensating behavior. I think there's something missing in my life. And I'm going to fill it with this thing that is tempting me, whether that be food, whether that be liquor, whether that be relationships with someone else, uh, something, something sexual, is missing. Sexual promiscuity, promiscuity. Well, I can't even say that word. Sexual promiscuity, having a lot of sex. <laughs> with different people. With different people, right? Yeah, there you go. Let's clarify that one, right? With the wrong people, <laughs> right? And so, uh, so, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, I will agree with you. It's about overcompensating for something. There's also another one, which is the entitlement. Like, I believe because I do so much, I deserve X. Because I do so much, because I do so much for others, because it is I've achieved this position at work, I've achieved this position in the community, um, that I deserve a little bit of whatever on the side. And, And finding that outlet for all the stress that you have, because you have to be a certain way to everybody else, that's another reason why people are tempted. Exactly. So they're one of the functions of temptation, somebody who is more easily tempted and to act on that temptation is somebody who has a great skill at rationalization. Because as you were saying in, in that example about, well, I've done so much, therefore I am entitled to this. That is an argument you're making with yourself and saying, you know what? I have convinced myself that it's okay to do something that otherwise I wouldn't have done. You know, it's like a lot of money uh, comes across my desk because I'm the treasurer. You know, if I take $100 here, $100 there, they haven't been paying me a whole lot. So that's okay. That is a rationalization. We both know it's wrong, but the temptation is it's in cash. Who's going to miss it? Following that same train of thought, I mean, then all temptation really is just about how well it is that you can rationalize it. So that way it is that the temporary gain that you're going to get overrides the long-term consequences that might happen. Another thing is I'll do it now, but I'll be better later on. (laughs) That gives rise to New Year's resolutions, particularly about gaining weight or, you know, whatever. Well, 
I swear on January 1st, I'll start my diet and I'll eat like I should. And then long about what, long about what MLK day, you say, well, there's always next year. Well, next year. Another thing that people like to be able to do is to use their vices in order to be able to have an excuse for giving in temptation. Well, I was so drunk that I didn't know what I was doing. So therefore, uh, you know, my will was down and I fell into this. Oh, man, I was I was so gone or I was so tired. I was so sleepy. I was so depressed. I was so sad that it was so easy for me to be able to to take a, somebody to take advantage of me during this time because they were dumping in it. So I gave into temptation. So again, like you said, it's really about justifying it to yourself. This happened because of this situation that was quote unquote out of my control. But when you really think about it, you could have controlled how much it is that you drink. You could have controlled uh, putting yourself inside of the area or going to somebody's house whenever it is that you knew that you were down or whatever else. There was a lot of decisions that were made that led you up into that area where it is that you gave into temptation. I've heard it uh, said of certain people, the last person I, publicly that I heard it described of was Princess Diana, mother of the princes of England now. She was described by her husband as a person for whom instant gratification was not soon enough. Okay. (laughs) So the concept of instant gratification is something worth thinking about because if it is instant, if it comes easily, the satisfaction of that temptation probably doesn't last long. There's some kind of, I guess, kind of like a mathematical relationship where if it's easy to do, it's not going to be much of a much of a high type of thing. Think about drugs where in the body, okay, well, I'm just going to do this one. Okay, you do it. Then oh, I'm going to do it again, but wait, I need a little bit more because I didn't get quite as high as I used to. And so the body is getting used to it. And so it requires more and more. Same is said for overeating. Uh, same is said for, as you said, um, promiscuity. You know, it's kind of like, well, uh, uh, just if I just do it this weekend, you know, I promise I'll, you know, I won't cheat on my wife anymore. You know, kind of thing, kind of thing. It happens. But it the just... problem is, is the way the brain is wired is that once you get away with it, and once it is that you don't seem to have gotten caught for it, or there doesn't seem to be any immediate consequences, the temptation to be able to do it again actually goes higher the next time because it's like nobody noticed. You do use the accounting example. Like there's a lot of money that comes through this place. You know, I deserve to be able to take it and you did it once and nobody noticed the $50 or the $100 that was gone. As a matter of fact, it went completely unnoticed. So the temptation to be able to do it again and whenever you get back in that same situation, that corner where you need money is really, really high. And the more it is that you get away with it, the more it is that you say, I'm going to push it a little bit further or, and the sloppier it is that you get at trying to be able to hide it. Cause you figure nobody noticed anyways, this is where a lot of celebrities get in trouble. Um, you know, they would talk about Tiger Woods and, you know, the golfer and him getting busted. They said that he started off trying to be really, really discreet with it. But as he got more, yes, people around that would turn their head and not say anything about it then the less he tried to be able to hide it, even going as far as using his own personal phone to be able to make the phone calls to the person that he was committing adultery with. Whereas before he had burner phones and everything else and they were doing it, the more it is that he got away with it, the more he figured that people were just going to ignore what was going to go on, the more he figured, ah, oh, I don't even have to worry about it. I'm just going to do what it is that I want to be able to do. And next thing you know, you're in way over your head. That's a, there's a tenet in law enforcement that says if a person does a crime 
and gets away with it one time, they will probably not get caught. If they get overconfident and repeat that crime or crimes and then do it again and then do it again because they haven't been caught, statistically, they will get caught because they're leaving a trail. And as you said, their behavior changes and they become less cautious. So the vice, the temptation does change you and changes you detrimentally because it makes you overconfident, takes away your reason, substitutes the rationalization. Well, this is so easy. Those people are so stupid. Why shouldn't I do it? Bam, till you get caught. Most of the serial killers and career criminals do get caught. And most of them want to get caught. They, that's why it is that they leave different things and different clues for the people to be able to see that says, uh, you know, hey, this is who it is that I am. It's, there's this subconscious thing that they have going on that actually kind of wants them to be caught. You know, in doing the research for, for my book, one of the places where it is that I always ask questions to the men that I was interviewing is, have you ever done stuff that's outside of your character? And then what made you want to be able to do or what made you feel like it is that you uh, were out of control whenever you were doing this thing? And here's the one that really caught me in hearing their stories and seeing this pattern in their stories. At some point, they always get to the point where it is that they want to be able to stop, but they're so far in and they've dug the hole so far that they don't know how to. So one of the ways that they can stop the bleeding or stop whatever it is, is to set up a, a situation or instance where they know they're going to be able to get caught. And even though it is that it completely and totally, a lot of the times destroys their life or has some long-term damages, at least they don't have to live with that weight on their shoulders of having to continue to do something that they know is not right, which I thought was really interesting. Well, there's uh, another aspect to the situation you described that I'm familiar with because of an experience in my past with a business partner of mine. And I remember telling him when I discovered what had happened, I said, you might as well tell people, I mean, I'll keep your secret, but you might as well tell the people that you're trying to keep this a secret from because you become a slave to that secret and you're susceptible to blackmail and other manipulations. But uh, once people know, if you own up to what you have done, if you have succumbed to that temptation, to your detriment, at least be a man about it. Say, yes, I did that. Uh, what's it going to cost me? Not only that, the longer it is that you push it out, the, the more dire the consequences tend to be able to get. So there's some kind of benefit to just going ahead and admitting to your mistakes. Because look, guys, this is not a, a judgmental podcast right we've we've definitely fell into some temptation we talked about it you know in our past we can look at different aspects of our life where it is that we're not proud of the decisions that we made and the actions that we took so we're not judging anybody we're just hoping to be able to give uh some if somebody's in a situation where it is that they're in an area of temptation helping to give them some some tools and some tips and some things that they could use in order to be able to get out so with that being said let's move over to the other side which is the putting yourself in areas of temptation. So you know that this is an issue. You know that you keep on falling into this pattern over and over again of these things happening because of temptation. So why would you put yourself in an area where it is that you, in places and situations where it is that you know that you might be tempted? Yeah, you left one out of that group and that's people. People. <laughs> there's, some pe there's some people you should just not hang around with anymore. 
Yeah. If you have a problem with drinking, if it is that you have a problem with alcoholism and you know that you have such a group of friends that all the only social glue that holds you guys together is the fact that you drink and that they're seriously heavy drinkers, you ought to really consider, do you really want to be able to go out with these guys? If you feel like it is, they're going to pull you into areas of temptation. Plus, if they don't support the fact that you have stopped drinking, if they feel like it is that they have to challenge you and try and test your resolve in these different areas, that's putting yourself in an area where it is that you might be tempted. A, being in the environments with them that you might be tempted to drink, but B, you know that they're going to constantly push your resolve and see if it is they get you to drink. Not a good look at all. Right. And also you'll find yourself being used and often used as their excuse in their rationalization. Well, I wouldn't have done it, but, you know, TW was there and, you know, he kind of talked me into it, went along with it. You know, all of a sudden it's my fault when it was that guy's idea and I by myself wouldn't have come up with that situation. Case in point, an old friend of mine, now retired, moved to Florida. Don't see him anymore. When we were in our 30s, he was living with a young lady that he eventually married, still married to for for all these years. So he's been with her for about 25, 27 years. But while uh, we were, I came by there for dinner one time and a phone rang and uh, he answered the phone. I could tell by the way he answered the phone that something was up and he finally said he said hey remember that uh the guy we were going to go meet the one that we met in statesboro and this kind of stuff i was thinking what guy in statesboro was that and very quickly i figured out that was his code it wasn't a guy he met in statesboro it was a girl he met in statesboro and he wanted me to act as cover, like, oh, yeah, we'll go do that because, oh, guess what? Uh, you know, my friend has a friend and, you know, it'll be a great time for you kind of thing was the look in his eye. And finally, I just asked to speak to him alone. I said, you can't do this. You, I won't mention her name, but I said, she is a wonderful girl. Don't mess this up. I'm not going. And that's the thing. You start to pull other people into deception around the temptation and you start to pull other people in. And uh, it's just not fair for you to be able to do that to your friends too. But also it just becomes harder and harder to be able to, to dig out of that. I'll give you another example. So I, I had a, a friend who it is that had an addiction to cheating, right? Like he could, you could not get this guy to be able to stay with one person, which we won't even go into. And there's other areas of his life that he needs to be able to fix to be able to fill that. And we'll talk about why it is that you do it a little bit later trying to fill other areas. But um, so he had addiction to treating, but he had this girl that he really, really liked. Like he really liked, he really wanted to make it work. And I'm not just talking about surface level. He really wanted to make it work. But knowing that he had this addiction in this area of his life that he had not addressed yet and that he had not found out why does he need to fill that area, I would, I would ask him, I was like, why would you put yourself in areas where it is that you know that you normally get tempted? Like he was addicted to being able to go to strip bars. He was addicted to being able to go to dance clubs. He was addicted to being able to go to all these social situations in which it is that he would always, always like 90% of the time fall into those area temptations. So for me, it was just really simple. I was like, find things to do with this girl that you like and stop going to those places. So that way it is that you'll cut that area of temptation out of your life. But for him, it wasn't that easy because it is that he was addicted to as much to those social situations as he was to resisting the temptation. That's true. And they're the kind of people who basically say there is some temptation to say, well, you know, T.W. is one of those straight-laced guys. He, you know, he doesn't uh, cheat on his girlfriend or his wife or that kind of stuff. You know what? I think I'm going to get him into a situation where he gets compromised so I can see, 
I can say to him, see, even you do it, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes. It'd be kind of like uh, any of your friends who tried to get you to drink, knowing that uh, that's something you have chosen not to oh, do. Oh, man, that was, that was something that happened all the time. For those of the listeners that don't know, I've never drank alcohol at all. It started off in high school as a challenge for my friends. And I'm one of those, you give me a challenge, I'm going to do it. And then in college, it was a challenge by the same group of friends uh, that I wouldn't make it through college without doing it. And then it just became one of those things that I just I didn't even see the value in it versus what it's done to so many different people's lives. But so many people would try it. They took it on as a personal mission to try and get me to be able to drink to the point to which some people would say, I can't have you around because you make me feel guilty. You're not drinking and I'm drinking so much. You make me feel guilty. So I can't even be around you because you're not a drinker had nothing to do with me, had more to do with them, but I reminded them uh, how badly <laughs> their situation was when it came to drinking. But it was funny because I would, I would see so many people fall into that, I call it liquid courage. They fall into that liquid courage and use it as an excuse to be able to, to do things that they normally wouldn't have the bravery to be able to do. Uh, so they would use it as a way to be able to fall into temptations and say, oh, it was because I was drinking. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I apologize. It was because of, it was the alcohol. Blame it on the alcohol, right? Which kind of bridges to the last thing, which is the, the fear of missing out. FOMO. Right. Some people have this whole thing that they feel like if it is they're not giving into temptations, they're living a boring life. Like in order to be able to to not give it to your temptation, that means you have to live this straight, bland, uh, you know, life that has no thrills or everything else. Everything in their life on the side of where it's exciting and thrilling and everything else has to do with giving into their vices and their temptations. So they, they feel like it is that they're missing out whenever it is that they're resisting temptation. And that builds up so much that whenever they finally get in the area where it is that they're tempted, it's almost like it is that the dam bursts and they feel like they have to go overboard in that area because they feel like they've been holding themselves back. Kind of the same way that we've treated when we're talking, when I'm coaching people when it comes to healthy nutrition. I say, if it is that you are love chocolate, if you're a chocolate connoisseur, it's very hard for most people to just cut chocolate completely out of their lives. Because every time you think about chocolate, every time it is that you run across chocolate, that temptation becomes even greater because it is that you felt like it is that you're missing out on that and you cut it completely and totally out of your life. But if you find other ways to be able to healthily eat chocolate in moderation or to be able to find healthy recipes that include chocolate, you won't be missing out on it because you just found a better way that's serving you versus a way that doesn't serve you to be able to include it in your life. Well, I think you have to differentiate it as you're talking about there. There's some things that you're tempted to do, like eat chocolate, overeat chocolate, be a chocolate junkie. And that has detrimental effects to the body long term. Correct. Okay, that is that is a matter of health in and of itself, as we have studied it. It is not a sin to eat a Snickers bar. Okay. Fine. So you have to differentiate between what temptations give rise to sinful behavior and what behaviors give rise to unhealthy behavior doing long term. You know, eat enough chocolate to become a diabetic. Not good for you. Uh, eat too much, whatever it is, cholesterol, fat, blah, blah, blah. You have heart issues. Combine that with genetics and and you're doing something you're playing with uh, a loaded gun in a game of roulette that long-term you won't win. So you have to kind of differentiate between those two. Now, most of the things that we deal with fall into the bad behavior, but not necessarily sinful behavior. Obviously, if you're 
if you're unfaithful to someone, if it is your spouse, that is adultery. It's one of the big 10. Uh-uh, can't do that. There are, are consequences. Shouldn't even be looking, et cetera. Lusting in your heart like Jimmy Carter or any of that other stuff. Eating the Snickers bar when you're you know, trying to lose some weight and trying to keep your blood sugar down and all that kind of stuff. That's a temptation you've given into that is correctable but does not have the same consequence, the same immediate consequence, but it will have a consequence if not addressed. And you hit the key word there is immediate consequence, because there is such thing as falling into some temptations that are gateways to bigger issues and bigger problems. Uh, following the, the whole chocolate thing, you, 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 don't, you give in to uh, an indulgence for chocolate, which there's nothing wrong with that. But you know that's a trigger, so that way it's going to make you want to be able to eat other foods that are unhealthy for you, which turns into a binge, which turns into you falling off your nutrition plan, which turns into you gaining weight, which gives you heart disease, right? So there, there's a such thing as, as having things that trigger you to be able to do other things. You all of a sudden you have somebody at work who it is that you actually just smile at, then you start flirting, then you tar- start talking uh, to them, and then you start going to lunch with them, then you start talking after hours, and then it turns into a temptation for you to be able to do something like to commit adultery, right? Sometimes it's the, it's the trigger thing that you avoid so it doesn't actually go down that route. You cut it off way before it gets to that point, but it's such a gradual shift and it's such innocent little things that you're doing at the very beginning that doesn't seem like a sin. Oh, it wasn't that sin to be able to smile and flirt a little bit, but it's what it could lead to that that you should avoid. Yeah, you also have to, uh, I say this semi-facetiously, but it's true. Kind of depends on how lazy you are because if you're going to maintain a relationship outside of your primary relationship, that's work. It also usually costs money too. So yeah, plus you have to keep, you have to keep the lies straight in your head because this is a life and this is a life and I'm not trying to let them, it's just a lot of work. It's just, you know, forget being, you know, virtuous and I can resist temptation say, no, 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 I'm too lazy to have a girlfriend and a wife. I mean, <laughs> grief. I'd, I'd rather spend my time uh, writing fictional prose instead. Whatever. <laughs> but it's, and you say that facetiously, but I mean, you haven't hit a serious point there. This is one of the ways it is that I have, if there's areas of temptation in my life, or there's something I come across where I'm going to be tempted to do, I always look at the long-term consequences versus the short-term benefits. Like what would happen if this thing completely and totally implodes and blows up and people find out or a person finds out that I'm trying to be able to keep it from what would happen in my life? And I actually play the worst case scenario when it comes to that. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? And is it worth it? Like, is it worth it being able to start the flirting that turns into something else to be able to blow up my amazing marriage and my family and the life that is that I built and the trust that I built with my spouse? Sometimes it is that when we fall into temptation, we don't think about that. We're so focused on the immediate pleasure and the immediate now and what it is that we're lacking that we forget to be able to take a step back and say, is it worth imploding? I mean, Again, when I was interviewed those guys, I asked each and every one of them, if you can go back and change that one decision that you made and that one moment that you made that completely and totally uh, blew up your life, basically, right? Whatever it is, would you go back and change it? They say, absolutely. Like one, one of the guys is like, I don't even know why I made this decision in the first place. It was a moment, his favorite words, a moment of weakness that I had. And all of a sudden it is, I fell into that. 
And we dug dug a little bit further. It wasn't a moment of weakness. It was the fact that he was lacking something. He was lacking control and purpose in his life. And so this was the one thing that he could do that was under his control, right? But in the moment, he wasn't thinking about that. He's like, man, I need to be able to find something that can find instant pleasure and that I can control in my life. And this is the one thing. And then he, he did it. And it completely and totally upended his whole entire life. So would he go back and change that decision? Absolutely, he would. I would uh, I would argue with a little bit, or actually, I would argue with your friend a little bit when he said, "Well, this is the one thing I can control." No, no, you can't control it, and that is the problem. If you could control it, you would get away with it, and it would never be a problem for you later on. Like my friend that I was uh, alluding to earlier, when I was telling him that the the secret made him, uh, you know, a slave to the secret. I tell him, besides without going into details, what you have done because of who you are is a matter of public record. He goes, I said, anybody can can find out if they want to, can find out what you did just by making a internet inquiry. He didn't believe me. So I went, I went to the internet. I printed out the stuff. I left an envelope on his, uh, on his front porch. He didn't talk to me for two weeks and he took a week off from work. Apparently he just crawled into a closet and sucked his thumb. He goes, Oh my God, the world's going to find out. I said, the world already knows. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you had, you had no control over that. Once this happened, what he did was uh, it's like he didn't go to jail. Well, everything is an illusion of control, right? Like we really think that we control everything in life or certain aspects of our life with all it takes is one thing to be able to go left or right and we lose control of that so if you take somebody who it is that's always been in the alpha position always been in control of their life as a planner and they plan every single thing and then all of a sudden things start happening that's outside of their control they're looking for one more thing that they can control to try and bring that balance in their mind back into place so it wasn't even that he thought he could control the situation he could control his decision to be able to do the situation. He could control every time it is that he said yes when he should have said no. And that temptation to be able to have that control is what it is that that sucks him in. It's the fact that I can't control anything else in this, in this instance, in this case, this gentleman had lost his job. So there was a lot of things out of his control inside of his life. And now all of a sudden it is, he has this one opportunity for one decision that he can make this, whether it's bad or really bad in this case, right? Uh, he had this one opportunity to be able to make this decision and he felt that momentary rush of control and the instant gratification from what it is that he was doing. And those two things is what sucked him in. And like you said, it wasn't even like I was in love with the other person. It wasn't even like I wanted to be able to do this. And at certain points, I, I wanted to be able to end it. But again, like I talked about before, he was so deep in that it became a big, big issue. One of the things that is helpful is if like with uh, people that you coach and you help them find out the reasons why is to really find out why is it I do this? Yep. One of the things I did not know until I was on a business trip and the guy that I was, he was the RIT guy and he went with us. He was a talker at dinner and blah, blah, blah. His wife was a nurse and she worked at this facility where they did alcoholic rehab. And he said something I'd never heard before. And when I did a little bit more reading on it, I found out, wow, it's true. And wish I had known this a long time ago. Said that a lot of alcoholics, the reason why they drink is because they crave sugar. When they go off of alcohol, they tend to binge on sweets. If you take and you look at the chemistry of alcohol and you break it down when it gets digested, it turns to sugar. Mm. So your, your body 
you know, there are, there are studies that they've done that says, you know, some of your chemistry for some people is that they, they have this wanting for sugar and it gets manifest in different ways. It's like, well, you know, I don't overeat. I, I just drink a little. Well, it's the same thing. So my point is, if you have this craving for things, as you say in your book, plug the book, uh, that you need to find out why you feel this inadequacy that gets addressed by this particular temptation. Because often you'll find that, you know, there are compensating behaviors which are actually healthy for me. So instead of, <clears throat> instead of cheating with some woman that I just met in the dance club, maybe I should uh, have a special fill the love bucket weekend with my spouse. And that's a lot more because what I'm finding is I don't have time to do that with her. And why do I not have the time? Because I'm standing here in this club and I should be elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my number one tip that I can give to, to, to finding a way to be able to deal with temptation is to be able to not look at what it is that you're tempted to do, but what's missing in your life. And then put work towards fixing or to be able to start the repair process for whatever that is. Like you said, TW, if there's issues inside of your marriage, your relationship, there's a couple of different things that you have to decide. A is that I'm going to continue to move forward with this relationship inside of my life to the point where it is I don't have to do stuff outside my character. Or B, can I put in the work? Can I start the repair process? Can I start the mending process? Can I put time into it? And like you said, when you're busy with that, you don't really have a lot of time to be able to do other stuff that's outside of the work. It, it could be with your kids. It could be a relationship with your uh, with your relatives or whatever else it is that you want to be able to fix. And then all of a sudden is that you're tempted to pick a fight <laughs> versus tempted to be able to be, what is missing inside of your life? If it is that you're going to alcohol, if you're going to substances or drugs or some other kind of addiction, was it that's missing in my life that I really need to be able to address and that I need to be able to work on? And let me put some effort towards that. It's not easy, but it's possible. And this is what makes temptation go down. And then the final thing is look at what it is that you have to lose. If I was to be able to make the situation, worst case scenario, here's the things that could completely, totally implode and go wrong if it is that this situation continue the way it is continuing. And sometimes that's enough to be able to get you to do the other part, which is to find what it is that you really need versus you know, giving into that temptation right then. Right. And I think that there's a, there's sort of an intermediary step that you can do as you're doing that. And that's what other choices do I have? In other words, instead of taking the next drink before eating that Snickers bar before saying yes to that smiling girl at the bar, what other choices do I have? Get up and walk and, out. You know what I mean? Decide to be able to call my wife. <laughs> no, I understand it, but as, as, a, as a matter of, oh, look, there's my only choice is to go with that girl or to feel like a clod. No, there are other choices. You need oh, yeah. to explore those. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was giving you, the other choices, right? Like there's a lot of other different things that you are tempted to be able to do. So with that being said, you know, again, this is a non-judgmental zone. We'd love to be able to hear from you on how it is that you've overcome different areas of temptation, or if it is that you, because it's not one of those things that's going to go away for good. There's always going to be areas inside of your life where it is that you're tempted to be able to do stuff a lot of times outside of your character. So tell us how it is that you've overcome. We'd love to be able to hear it on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, whenever it is that we actually post this episode inside of the comments. Let us know the different times it is that you've overcome temptation or what it is that you do whenever you fall into temptation. Uh, so that way it is that maybe your story will be the thing that helps somebody else. 
Uh, and I will I will finish with this. I saw a poster recently that said, "Temptation is everywhere, but so is God." God always gives you a way to be able to get out. We may not like with the way that he gives us out, but he always gives you a way to be able to get out. So with that being said, my name is Alistair Hunt, a.k.a. The Techie. And this is T.W. Lawrence, a.k.a. The Cowboy. Time to kick that amazing outro music. That's it for this episode. Join us again next time for The Techie and The Cowboy. Hit us up on our website, thetechieandthecowboy.com. Let us know what y'all think. Hey.